This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Today on the podcast, it's the wonderful Katie Pruitt, incredible musician, singer, songwriter. Got a chance to see Katie a month ago, maybe-ish, and loved it and was so excited to have her on the podcast. Hey, speaking of live performance, do you want to come see me in Chicago on December 30th or 31st? Do it then. CameronEsposito.com for tickets. Also, you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash Queeros. People do it every time I mention it. So if you want to support this show, patreon.com slash heyqueeros. Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hi, I always I always uh, have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yes, um, I am Katie Pruitt, a singer-songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee. Yes, I got to see you... Um, I don't know. Maybe that was last month. I'm lost all sense of space and time. Um, that here in tour Vancouver. was. Yeah, I get it. That tour was a time warp for us, for sure. <laughs> well, so you were working with the Milk Carton kids who are some yeah. who's they're two dudes who have a band together. And I don't know why they are like connected to the comedy scene. Like there's like a couple like my friend Amy Mann is also connected to the co- there's like a right. couple musicians in L.A who play at this theater called Largo that also is yeah. a comedy theater. And so, like, I know there's people that I know just from that. And I don't know why those two dudes, I don't know why I've been seeing their, them there for years and why we've done shows together there, but they're like dudes <laughs> I know from that. And when I saw that you were playing a theater that's really close to where I live in Vancouver, I went to, you know, I asked, I literally was like, get me on the list. And they said, sure. And um, yeah. But I got to see you do like a really cool opening set, but then also join them at the end. And something that was pretty remarkable about that is that these two guys, like, I think the thing they're most known for and the thing they, it's like stunning to see or hear rather is like their harmonies. They really do beautiful harmonies together. And so when you join them, it's not just like when folks do that, um, and they're like blending into like this huge cacophonous sound. It's sort of these two voices that work really well together. And it's wild that a third voice was added and you all sounded amazing. So yeah. let's start there. You well, know? we didn't really know what to expect with that. They asked me to go on tour with them um, probably in the summer. And I was like, hell yeah. And then Kenneth and Joey were like, we should do this whole like collaborative thing at the end. And we didn't even try it until like like the first night. So we literally, it could have been a train wreck, like absolutely could have sucked. Um, And it just ended up like we just had this not only like personal chemistry, but this vocal chemistry that was really kind of just like it just happened. Yeah, pretty remarkable. It worked. Yeah. Because also, have you always been a solo artist? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, harmonies are a big, big thing uh, for me, too. I I harmonize with my Mm -hmm. band. We got like third part Mm -hmm. harmony and stuff like that. So. I've always been obsessed with harmonies, um, especially like growing up in like musical theater. That was kind of like my musical start was like Mm. I was obsessed with a bunch of musicals. And I just remember like 
really latching on to harmonies like at an early mm. age, being kind of fascinated by them. Another thing that look, I don't actually know anything about this. Like I have I'm I'm going to use all the wrong words. I don't know. I don't know the words for this, but um Is there like a is there like one voice that is like the leader and everybody harmonizes off of that? Yeah, sort of. So there's like a melody. There's a melody which sure. is like kind of the middle sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then there's the third above and the fifth above mm. the melody. Or there's like the third below or the fifth below. So you can kind of like, depending on where your range is, you can kind of pick any of those wavelengths and just kind of ride it. Got <laughs> like it. Just ride it like a wave. When you were um, harmonizing with them, were you the middle guy and they were the other guys? D- depending on the song. It, it, it always depends on the song and it depends on the part of the song too. Um, but during, so when we sang one of my songs, I was just singing the melody and they so kind of worked that, their way into exactly. my song. I thought yeah. that was, that really like stuck with me also because, you know, just, I mean, this is something you might have seen just in photos, but just like as a stage picture, you know, again, um, just cause I have been a touring musician myself for such, or not musician, a touring artist for myself for so long, right? you know, the like opener to headliner dynamics are pretty set. Like there's not usually like a lot of, and and people can be kind and they can be inclusive, but it's not like, those are not, that's not equal positioning. Totally. Um, Not usually. Not usually. And something that I thought was really cool about seeing you with these guys that also relates to like, so your music, when you were introducing a song, you would sometimes tell us, you know, something really personal about what was going to happen in the song. A lot of it is about identity, you know, coming out and like falling in love with women and totally. your your past and squaring that with your current self and who you, you know, who you've always been, all that. You were giving all that information as you were um, then singing the song. And the stuff they do, some of it is like really personal. Like there's a song, you know, for a future daughter that doesn't exist, but they don't necessarily, they're funny and they don't necessarily intro every song with like the heart-wrenching meaning behind it. Right. Especially especially because they're like, you know, straight white cis dudes. Um, I just thought it was really stunning. Yeah, they just tell jokes and then sing sad songs. Yeah. And they're so good at it, right? (laughs) So good at it. But I thought it was really stunning because in the like encore where we all were playing together, there were moments where they were backing you up, like where they were your backup singers, where they right. were doing, where they were harmonizing with your melody. <laughs> yeah. And um, I just thought because of the content of what we'd just seen, that there was like a social message in that. Um, totally. And I'm just wondering if you could, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if you could speak to that and like how that might have felt and and if it, and if you felt that from the inside, because it looked stunning from the outside. Also, you're so much littler than them. Like it just I'm was so tiny. It just was very. Just, it was very yeah, cool was. thing. But they are like put you in the middle and right. pushed you forward. And it was yeah, they did. It was pretty um, stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, I love those guys. Um, and you're right. Yeah, the song that we sang of mine was like about not feeling normal and about like living in Athens, Georgia, which is like a heavy, like frat sorority, SEC school scene, like hookup culture. And like, that's what I wrote one of the verses about. And then here are these like two like straight cis dudes that are like, this story is important and like, yeah, allyship, I I suppose is like 
Um, that's I what it looked like, like. That's the that's the yeah. strength um, that you're speaking of. Like in in the encore, I felt that for sure. Like it was cool to be like, cool. Like I'm telling my story, and here like two of my friends that have a straight experience that have never felt this way, backing me up and singing it with me. You know, and it was like all of us were singing. What's it like to be normal? Um, when you know, conventionally speaking, and like on the surface, they are quote unquote what society would deem normal. But everybody feels like that and everybody struggles with that. And I think like Kenneth was telling me like that's why he connected with the song, you know, is because, you know, everybody kind of feels like that at one point or another, whether it's about your sexuality or not, you know. So um totally. Yeah. I, I think that that thing of I just think a lot about queer art so often being sort of like pitched as for queer people. And like, mm. I love that, right? Like I, that is an audience of mine that I really care about. Um, and I also think it's, it's like a cop out for the straight viewer. Cause it's like, yeah, you could get in here. Like I've, it turns out I've watched a lot of straight movies in my life. <laughs> turns you know? out. Yeah. Um, that's all so, there was at I, one point. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I, you know, um, have seen commercials for cereal where it was a straight family and I right. still ate that cereal. So I think they're, you know, the, at some point the, like, the entry is on you, you know, like it's not on the queer artist to be universal, but on the right listener to yeah, find the themselves, listener to be know? like, wait, this could apply to me, even though I'm, I technically have a straight, hetero experience you know um, totally or this could apply to one of my friends or this could apply to you know it's just like good information no matter it's what it's just fucking is. feelings at the end of the yeah, day totally. like what, you don't have feelings yeah i mean for a long time i told myself i didn't but that wasn't healthy right um yeah you know <laughs> but that was just i mean that's beyond like that's loving called repression your, yeah <laughs> beyond loving your stuff i just i was really um yeah, I really wanted to talk to you about that moment because I thought it was a very, I don't know, it really, it really was, it really sat with me. Um, yeah, totally. And, and you're then stepping forward and taking that moment, right? Because that's the other side of it too. Like these two dudes are like, we want to back you up and you sing the, you know, right. but, you know, you really went for it and you really, your voice can really stand up like that. So that was cool too. Totally. Instead of having like the imposter syndrome of like, oh, I maybe like don't deserve this yeah, platform exactly. or whatever. Um, yeah, um, no, yeah, that, that moment was really cool in the show, like, every night, and then especially, like, ending, uh, which, like, at first was, like, is this cheesy, but then it ended up being, like, really cute, we just, like, ended the show with You've Got a Friend in Me, <laughs> you know, like, the, the Disney song, uh, so that was, like, kind of tied it all together, it's, like, yo, we're all friends, no matter what our experience is, like, just have each other's back, it's that, it's that easy, you know, um, mm. and, and it's almost better to have different experiences and be friends that, with people that have different experiences than you, you know, broadens the perspective and the bubble. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, I mean, not necessarily that I'm like, I think there was a time in my life, too, where like dudes scared me, not scared me, but like being like friends with dudes on like an intimate level. First of all, because like every relationship that I had with a dude before I came out was just like, a deep platonic friendship that I like called love. <laughs> I called mm -hmm. like romantic when it wasn't. 
and then after that, I was, I don't know. I just feel like then I was like, I don't know if this sounds weird, but then like weirdly like competing with the dudes in my life for then the girls that I liked. So it was like mm. going from that dynamic to the, so, so Kenneth and Joey are just like, these are just like two good dudes uh, that have my back. And that feels really good. And not to mention like they're, you know, later down the line in their careers than me. So they're kind of like, sort of like brothers, like older brothers or mentors as well. Mm -hmm. Um, which helps, you know, especially I feel like I'm in kind of in the middle of this writing this second record and Kenneth has been like a really good, um, voice to kind of like, like a sounding board almost. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I certainly know what you mean. You know, I do think that like, I have a lot of experience, uh, trying to understand my positioning with men because sometimes because there's a lot we have in common. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shared experience, but then there's also like whatever they might bring to the table in terms of how they usually treat women. And if they see me that way, or like, do they not see me as a woman or and follow up? Am I even a woman? And then, right. you know, like, um, yeah. And we're not having sex with each other. That's <laughs> never on the table for me with my guy friends. Right. But sometimes I, I've had a couple experiences in my life where, like, I didn't even realize that that was still something that was happening for them as an interest. Like, we're already, I'm like, you knew the whole time, right? You know, but I don't, yeah. I don't know what's, I don't know what you're talking about, or yeah, or just like then c- culturally outside of us, like outside of me and those dudes, it's like it's not like men are taught to understand how to relate to women, so. Um, yeah, totally. There's also I, that. I feel like when I first came out, there was that like, you know, feeling of like, oh, like I'm just like one of you, like I'm one of the guys. Um, and there's this Jenny Lewis song. I don't know if you know of Jenny Lewis. She's like one of my favorite of course. artists. Yeah. yeah. And I that, even know that the song. song yeah. No matter how hard I try. Yeah. To be just one of the guys. Great like, music video. There's a voice inside that won't let me, you know, like I feel like that. Um, and I love my band because I, um, I kind of have an all guy band and that's just like the way that it worked out just because these are the guys that like mesh the best with me and my sound. Um, so I travel a lot with like me and like five dudes <laughs> like constantly all around the country, um, even when I'm not with Kenneth and Joy. So it just seems like at least like the touring industry is like pretty male dominant. Um, and sometimes like at just like certain topics of conversation, I'm like, I don't really know how to I don't really know how to relate <laughs> in this certain topic. Like, I feel kind of left out, but like, they're also like, well, you know what we mean, Katie, like you're a lesbian. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not a dude, <laughs> you know, right. so I can't relate a hundred percent. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! 
do you have do you have close women in your life? Or oh, is it for a sure. Lot? Yeah, I okay, have. Yeah. I have close women. I so there's one one uh, girl that tours with me sometimes. She's like my best friend, and she, her name's Jess Nolan, also an, an incredible artist in her own right. So she kind of like dips in and out <laughs> of the shows. Like she doesn't play every show with me, but she plays some. And I I notice like when Jess comes in, it's like okay, like I feel like grounded. There's something I something in my life. I'm like I need like feminine energy like around me. Um, or else I just I kind of get like out of touch with like my emotions, which is like a big part of who I am. So if I'm a, almost like if I'm around like too many dudes all the time and it's just dudes all the time, I like lose myself a little bit in it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I like never had any women around me yeah. uh, as friends until pretty recently, actually, maybe that's not true. I always had like groups of women friends, but right. like I didn't have like close women friends. Like my, I'd have like groups of women friends, but then like a dude best friend, um, right. right? You know, for a lot of years, and that's changed in like the last maybe five or six years for me. And I mm. think the only reason I'm talking about this is because when you were saying like you were afraid of men, I used right. to say all the time that I was afraid of men, but I realized recently that like. I don't know that it's actually a fear. I think it's like confusion or like or there's a difficulty in relating or right. like people pleasing or there's a zillion things. I think actually I'm afraid of women because I think women, like men, if I hang out with them and we can't totally relate, then I'm like, well, no shit. <laughs> we're different. Right. But I yeah. think I've always had a fear because I don't totally fit in with or relate to women either and right. i think that's the one that i actually feel like i should fit totally into that camp and so that one i think i had a lot more fear about trying to fit in because totally. i was i think i i think the rejection would would have felt bigger that makes sense i i grew up with like a really core group of girls which also like just speaking to like not totally fitting in with the women either like i feel like in high school, I was like the outlier of that girl group. And like, they were all talking about, boy, I don't know. And like, I think they also kind of knew I was gay. They would sort of joke about it, which I wasn't comfortable with yet. You know, at that point, I was like, don't, don't, don't say the word lesbian. Like, I don't want to hear it. Like, I was, it was like, it spooked me, you know, it like scared me. Um, but yeah, like now my, one of my best friends is getting married and she like asked me to be her bridesmaid. And she was like, so I've already like been researching like suits for you. And I was like, holy shit, like that is incredibly validating. And I don't even think mm. she knew like how, but, but it like almost made me tear up because I was just like, had immediate fear. Like, yes, I want to be your bridesmaid, but no, I don't want to wear a dress. Like, and I don't know how to tell you that, but like, I didn't even have to tell her that she just knew like, so there's this like dope green suit like I want you to wear. I'm like, oh my God, that's, <laughs> that's so sick. Awesome. You know, like it just meant a lot. How old are you? 28. Yeah, I just wanted to like timestamp when some <laughs> my of this, life. I feel like, yeah. or like yeah. sometimes when we're talking about high school, it's like, I'm just trying to think of what era that might would be totally. and like place it. Because I do think in terms of like, uh, yeah, you know, something like being called a lesbian the year that you were being called a lesbian really matters. Yeah, it does. Because <laughs> it, cause it like means a really different thing, you know? Like, yeah. Um, I feel like I hit like the tail end because my, I guess I graduated high school in 2012. So like 
I feel like at mm. the time, like 2014, 2015, like le- gay and le- like it wasn't as scary because it was mm-hmm. like legalized nationally. So it was like kind of like, oh, okay, well now I don't know. I don't know why that changed everything. It, I mean, I do know why it changed everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think deal. that changed a lot in my own like. I've said this before on the podcast and like, I know that it's important within, especially within the queer community. Well, that's not not true. I know it's important everywhere to talk Mm. about like, that wasn't the end, you know, because I I think we hear that narrative a lot. Like, yes, marriage equality wasn't the end. And I think that's a really important narrative. But I do think we forget the other narrative because it's like, it's become so important to make sure to not leave other social issues that affect lgbtq folks yeah. off the table it's like we need yes of course we cannot forget about that but i do think sometimes it's almost diminished talking about how big that change was because totally. it's like because there's still so much more to do that i think sometimes we forget to just comment on like what it felt to live through that you know um and for me it was really significant also yeah and i was that was around the time i was coming out so for me, it was extremely significant because then it was like not only this, you know, validation in my own life from my friends of like, oh, yeah, dude, it's not a big deal that you're gay. Like, it's fine. Um, right. And then and then like, you know, in our country, <laughs> it like became yeah. acceptable, at least sort of not really <laughs> not not for everyone. Totally. There's obviously the religious right. boundaries and all that shit. But like. It was a big deal. But yeah, I totally agree that there are still so many, so many issues that we need to tackle within the, um, in 2022. Totally. Maybe the thing I'm thinking about is like, when a group of people are debating whether or not you have a right, and you don't even necessarily have representation in that group, but that debate is going on and you're aware of it, like, I think it almost wasn't about like, I don't think that marriage was the right that we needed to get that would fix everything. Totally. But I think if we hadn't gotten that, maybe that's what I'm realizing as we're even having this conversation. It's like if we hadn't gotten that, if it had gone mm. all the way to the Supreme Court and all these fucking people had been talking and people on both sides of various issues and like we're not even on the court, there's not even a queer person on the court and they're right. debating whether or not we are people without us. It's not that getting it meant that things were solved, but I think it was the fear and the tension I felt around what if they say no? Yeah, what if it goes the other way? Yeah. And I think that's the feeling that's also happened in the last year with Mm. Roe being overturned. Because again, I remember people being like, well, it's not different everywhere day one, you know, or some idiot being like, fucking drive to another state. And it's like, (laughs) the idea that people debated this and thought, Right. No, like that's actually <laughs> that's the problem, the thing, right? Like it's not to yeah. what you're saying about allyship and like those two dudes standing next to me in the at right, the end totally. of their technically headline show, you know, right? And and uplifting me, yeah. It's like, yeah, like the fact that oh shit, we don't have allies on the Supreme Court, or 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 we don't have enough allies on the Supreme Court. Yeah. To or like if we're not in the room, people are going to throw us in the garbage. Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's you know, scary. and I, it's scary. yeah, I think that maybe I've never even realized that until this conversation, but I think that's what it was for me. It's like there was some there was some like joy around the right, but I think there was also just joy around like, oh, my God, somebody's going to say something 
that I'm at all equal. Yeah. You know, like just about anything. Right. I know you also had a religious upbringing. Totally. And you were just talking about that it hasn't changed, you know, for some religious kids. So maybe you could talk a little bit about your experience there. Yeah. um, I grew up um, in Catholic school, went to Catholic school, whole nine yards. Um, My Wow, see. Yeah. Oh, wait. uh, Didn't you too? You were Catholic. Yes, I did. I just spoke French to tell you that. I don't know why. (laughs) I was like, see, I took Spanish in school. So that's why I was like, what went over my head? Um, (laughs) But yeah. I um, yeah went to Catholic school, learned the prayers in Spanish in a nombre de Padre de Hijo. There we go, perfect. Yeah, um, yeah, and um, it it, it wasn't it, it wasn't necessarily. I feel like it was all like the subtleties that kind of were like signs in my Catholic school and in my family that kind of made me just backed me into the closet further. Um, it wasn't like somebody outright came out and said, if you're gay, well, kind of. (laughs) It was the subtext, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. But it wasn't like blatantly like gay people go to hell. It was like God intends marriage between a man and a woman. And like, it was the, the things they, I don't know. It was almost like they didn't even talk about it. It was like a taboo subject. Um, And it was like an invisible culture that didn't exist, that they wanted to like keep us from. Right. So I got gay people go to hell. I got that directly. You did, but I you know got what it directly. I did. Yeah. Yeah. But I also know what you're talking about a little bit. I mean, I would put in that category something like love the sinner, hate the sin kind of. Yeah. Totally. You know, that thing where you're, where it's the like, oh, like, hey, I'm gay. Oh, I'll pray for you. You know, like yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Totally. It's like, don't even understand how condescending that is, you know? Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, and um, I, I, I can speak to this only because my my mom, I feel like has come around and met me completely on the other side. Um, she, I, so I didn't get like, you're going like gay people go to hell, you know, from like my teachers in my classrooms. I did get the subtext and the subtleties of marriages between a man and a woman. But my mom, like when I came out, was very, very concerned with my quote unquote salvation, you know, Um, and that was like her main concern. And that's like what she like prayed about and was like hoping like, okay, like I just want my daughter to go to heaven. And I'm like, mom, you don't think I'm going to go to heaven? You know, like, come on. Like, what about the rest of my character? Like, (laughs) you know, like I don't get how this one thing just excludes me completely um, from heaven in your eyes. Um, But it was whatever was instilled in her and my dad. And so that I, I guess she, she had to do her own work to get through that. And now she doesn't, I don't think believe that anymore. At least that's not what she tells me. So, um, that's exciting because, <laughs> because that for me hurt, even though I'm like, I don't even know if I believe in heaven, but the fact that my mom doesn't think I'm going hurts really, really deep. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I, uh, there's this theologian, Nadia Bolsweber, who's somebody I know that I will just name check on this actual podcast because I bet there's a lot of listeners who know Nadia's work. But um, one time I was talking to her and, and she said that 
being told like that you're hated in God's name is mm. a really different experience than being told that you're hated by a human being. And sure, nobody wants to be told that they're hated by a human, but being told that you're hated by creation mm. is um is just a a separation from like life's meaning. Totally. Um, as opposed to just and again, nobody wants to, nobody wants to be told right. like, I hate you, but like God hates you is different than I hate you. Totally. And, um, and and the weird thing is like I think a lot of and I think what my mom was like it was actually genuine like concern, you know, like totally. it wasn't my like, parents it was too. like I love you, so I want you to go to heaven with me, you know. And it's like totally. so it's like this weird, complicated thing to dissect because it's like well, she loves me and she cares about me and she wants me to be in this place, but this this part of who I am is like, I don't know. It's very confusing. I almost don't even think I have completely broken it down yet to understand it. But the fact that they've both kind of come and like met me on the other side of it and done their own, you know, reflection about it has made it feel better for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if I may speak to you from the future, because yes. the very same <laughs> thing happened to me and I'm 41. Right. And it happened to me around the same time it happened to you. Um, and what I'll say is that around the same age that you are now, my parents totally changed their tune and the way that they interacted with me. And they're now extremely supportive and have been for a really long time. Right. And I will say that, like, that's awesome. And it sort of takes the. I mean, we had to still do some work around that like it it wasn't just like removed but that some of that is in the past for me like the that's work good that I had to do with with my parents on it um but one thing I am you know have been realizing over the last couple of years is like that I also feared that like when my parents told me that I also feared that and I guess that's why I'm saying if and I'm not I understand why that was coming from my parents. I understand that that's how they were raised because I was raised the same way. <laughs> right, right. But I will say that, like, if it had been, like, we hate this and then they had changed their mind, I think that would have been one thing. But I think the way that the church, I think what church the church does to families around having parents deliver this message of, like, God hates this. Right. My parents and I can solve that. But it did create a lasting thing inside of me that I've had to work on, like, separate from them. Like, that ha that has nothing to do with them. Totally. That has to do with, like, my own Like, your relationship with, totally. Yeah, I, I'm kind of working yeah. through that um, as well. Because that it does leave a mark. It leaves a, kind of a scar of, like, the framework within which you grew up within, you know? Mm -hmm. um, like, not trusting it. It's almost like a betrayal of trust, which I don't really know yes. if I, like, believed it the way they believed it, even at the point I came out to them and that was happening. Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, it still definitely left a permanent mark on like the way that I view God. Cause it's like, yeah, when you're little, you just like trust and take every single thing that your parents say as, as just a hundred percent truth, no questions asked. And mm -hmm. then that kind of like fades more and more over time. And then, you know, you're, you're your own adult person and you decide the framework for yourself so it's like kind of a an uncertainty around that but yeah i hear you <laughs> it's difficult it is difficult and it's also 
I just pointed out for, because it's like, I think it was also freeing though when I realized that it was like mine to sort of work on. Like I didn't have to go back to my parents to talk about it any further. Totally. Like, I mean, we, we just, we went through it. Like we, you know, right. it was talked about. It wasn't like we avoided it, but it just is like, that's actually just no longer really maybe a conversation for them. Right. And instead it's like for me to have with people I talk about spirituality with, for me to talk about other queer people who are raised religious, for me to talk about, you know, with um, like when I was taking, I was taking a bunch of theology classes during the pandemic to talk about it there. Like it's, That's it's awesome. a, it's for other places. And I just, it's like, I had to continue to do it even after, after it was like sort of healed with us. Yeah. That's Man. cool that you took theology classes. <laughs> That's like a brave did, endeavor in I was and of a, itself. Yeah, I was a theology major in college, and I that's awesome. Took a bunch of master's classes in the pandemic because I thought maybe I wanted to get my like master's in divinity. Whoa! Um, I didn't continue to pursue <laughs> that, but I did take ten different courses at eight cool. different universities to check and see. <laughs> you, you got what you needed probably out of it, though. Exactly. Almost like closure. That's Almost exactly, like closure. Like yes, Katie, that yeah. is what happened. I got closure. I went back to the scene of the crime and I yeah. looked around <laughs> and I like seriously. I like caught all the fucking evidence and I like circled all the dead bodies yeah. and I like we like yeah like took photographs and I <laughs> looked at everything that was there and I just went like I'm good you know but like it really I really did have to go back I yeah. get it yeah I get it yeah yeah well cool I also think like I don't know again I know you're saying that you didn't necessarily like maybe 100% take in the way that you were raised but I think Catholicism is very specific because of the schooling element like the fact that it's like you're getting the message at home you're getting the message at at church and then you're getting the message while you do math like so many just getting the message all the time time, constant yeah (laughs) and the other thing that's true is that you're also getting the message through music um because like music is also at least i i grew up with like a ton of church music and i'm curious about i don't know i don't know if you have any connection there or like if you with like specific musicals Church but did you music? also grow up like, did you also grow up like singing in church and shit like that? I did. My, so my mom was like, my mom, I think was like the music director for a second at one of the there Catholic we go. churches how that did we I, went to. How did I fucking know that? You just did. It was an in, is intuition. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So my mom taught me how to play guitar and, you know. Uh, oh my God. We, we harmonized to like, you know, a ama- Amazing love, amazing. I don't know. There's like a, a bunch of a bunch of those songs. And oh um, my god, when I was little, that was like cool to me to like get to like have a microphone and like sing into a microphone in front of like. But it but it's interesting because like, and and this was kind of a good way to like put my foot in the door because I was like pretty shy. I I felt like I was shy at first. Like I was like I don't want to sing in front of all these people. But the choir like the music was behind everybody and everybody I was looking at everyone's backs so like when I was singing so it was like kind of like all right nobody can see me right now and that feels good it's just like me and my mom up here singing you know and it just happens to be miked and she's playing guitar and a couple times I would play guitar with her when I got good enough um yeah and but I would say like as I got older I became like pretty disinterested in the music especially in the catholic church um also, my mom kind of became disinterested in the music in the Catholic Church because they were pretty rigid about what what she was allowed to play. She yes, loved like yes. Amy Grant and she loved like all these like totally. Christian Jennifer Knapp. Like she still loves, you know, who that's a whole nother story. I don't know if you've you 
your parents listen to like Christian contemporary music, but Jennifer Knapp no, was no, a queer no, artist. No, no, not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> not allowed. And then remember, I also, and then I also like went to a church where like, I remember somebody wanted to play like a, somebody's favorite, like secular song at yeah. like their funeral. Well, this is what I'm and talking the about. the church was like, no. Yeah. Jennifer Knapp and Amy Grant were like technically Christian music. Um, I know, but they're not Catholic. That shit is not the same. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, the Catholic church kind of like X'd out all those things. And my mom was like frustrated. Totally. She was like, this is good music. Mm-hmm. This is the stuff I like. And so she yeah. was like, all right, screw this. <laughs> and kind of like stopped doing it. At which time I kind of started like, getting into musical theater and all that and all that stuff so how did I like hear that in your music I feel like I like I feel like I like knew this somehow probably but because you're also like a a Christian because I was like (laughs) steeped in it you know I remember also like the first time I because I was friends with somebody in college who was like an evangelical Christian and I went to and she was from Southern California and I went to go visit her and she went she took me to like all of her friends like surfed for Jesus and they took me, you know, they took me to like, to see like music that was like a rock show, you know, like a rock, like Christian rock fucking. Oh my God. The mega church. Mega church. Yeah. Oh yeah. And like all of that stuff. When I saw that for the first time, I was like, you're kidding. Cause like Catholic music is so like, you know, it's an organ. Like it's so exactly. (laughs) Forever and ever. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, it's so fucking not the that. The only I... knows the same like four notes. Oh my god, <laughs> just totally. Um, my dad was also a cantor at our. He wasn't the musical director, cantor. But he was that's a cantor. right. That's what and, they... a, and a soloist at my church. Yeah. And so, like singing around. I this forgot stuff the word was very... for it. Yeah, yeah. His what? Um, you might be wondering what his big hit was and it's yeah, old holy don't. night that's his specialty <laughs> yes so christmas was a real uh, a real mark christmas point. was a it was a lot of like he's in the den just like practicing high yeah. notes or whatever um but if you haven't you should listen to nsync's version of whole oh holy night acapella it's actually the best oh my God. thing i've ever heard in my life okay that sounds great you know who <laughs> exactly. else has a great one is celine dion also has oh, a great course. one of course yeah um, hers is really good but, yeah, but that's that's cool that your dad was also a cantor. Well, I mean, I think it's just interesting to come from like that relationship to music. And I still actually that like really dry shit still fucking moves me because at a time mm. in my it's life. It's like nostalgic. It was, you know, it's got some. Exactly. Yeah. It's like always going to be in my heart in that way. Totally. Um, I love that you mentioned the mega churches, though, and like the smoke and the rock show, because like my parents yeah, literally dude. wouldn't let me. There was like a five o'clock church mega church session for like all the teens and they like gave out pizza and it was like a rock show um and i couldn't go to that unless i went to the morning catholic service so i literally double dipped churches on (laughs) on sundays so that i could go to the rock version of totally totally. i just got bored of i was like this is the same shit every time like it never changes (laughs) even the stuff we say is the same (laughs) you know maybe there is some of i mean i hope this isn't like but maybe there is something, like, as I'm trying to think about, like, how could I possibly have known this? It's like, obviously, you're not doing, like, you're not, like, glorifying God up on stage with your guitar. But there is something about, like, I mean, church music is most often about love. It's totally. about, like, love yeah. of a spiritual being invisible right white man with a beard but like right (laughs) 
it's all it also can be moving because it can be about you know different kinds of love like it can also be totally. when it's good it's yeah. about love and yeah. i think that's that's also a lot of what you're singing about um yeah it's hopeful that's what i try to do i try to be like realistic right it is also hopeful. hopeful yeah you know like but yeah for sure i mean there's there's a right. little bit of that's a, actually, a range right. of emotions in it for me at least right it's hopeful though because i'm because i'm trying to think of like because yeah like there can be somebody that's a you know, up on stage by themselves with a guitar and it doesn't feel, and it didn't, and it wouldn't have caused me to ask them if their mom was a church musical director. <laughs> right, but totally. I do think maybe that's what it is. It's hope. There's yeah. something, yeah, there's something to there's that. There's hope. Yeah. There's hope in there. Uh -huh. Wow. Yeah, well, like that and like performing is kind of like my version of like spirituality now, you know, like it's like 100%. kind of like transcended to like this occupation that I do and like going around and like standing in front of a group of strangers every night telling my story, you know, like obviously something that happened in that church, you know, something, something was ignited, you know, and that kind of stuck with me. Couldn't relate to that more. Yeah. You know, that's that's literally how I describe stand up. Yeah, the same totally. Way. That's why I was like, should I just be a priest? Should I cut out the middleman and just be a priest? But yeah. <laughs> I'm good. But I did think about it because I have the same experience. I also experience. thought about it. I, I used to like play church with my neighbors and I was the priest. Me too. And read the Bible. Huh. Like, like I didn't read it down the page. I read it across. So like it made no sense. What did you use as a communion wafer when you played church? Probably like saltines. <laughs> I think so. Okay. I would recommend better cheddars because okay. they're like more circular. I should have thought of that. I wish I knew you back then. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, huh. Well, I, I know this is a super short episode of the podcast and just apologies to listeners. I couldn't get my Wi-Fi going in my hotel room. I still can't actually just doing this cobbled together on a phone and Katie was so patient. Um, but I first, first of all, I want to say that it was so great to see you live. And I hope that anybody who's listening will take advantage of a chance to not just listen to your music, but like to see you live. I think you are like a very compelling live performer. And I really hope. Wow. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I, from one live per performer to another, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You have a beautiful voice and very compelling to watch. So I really hope folks get tickets to see you whenever they can. Um and also, it sounds like we have almost everything in common. Yeah, so now we'll just scary, have to be friends. A scary amount in common. <laughs> so now we'll just have to be friends. Yeah. I feel great about it. I'm I'm good with it. Me too. Uh, okay. So we'll just more, move forward from here. Yeah. With dude. friendship. Um, Let's Katie, have a double date. Before, okay. Sounds great. <laughs> and before I send you back into your day, I always just ask folks to shout out a queero. Would you shout out a queero, somebody who made you feel that you could be who you are today? It could also could be a person, place or thing. Oh, wow. Um, Amy Ray, uh, from the Indigo Girls. Fuck yeah. I love Amy and she's, uh, been a big mentor in my life. Um, especially recently, like first, you know, being a fan of the Indigo Girls, of course, but then like kind of came into my life as a friend later on, which is like a crazy awesome. hurdle to even like wrap my brain around. Totally. But uh, yeah, love Amy Ray. So I want to shout her out. I got to meet her this summer. And oh that my was God. Also really awesome for me. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, she's a cool. good one. So, absolutely. Well, Katie, thanks so much for your time today. And um, see you in our shared life that apparently we've been living. Yes. Although we're <laughs> just a few years apart. <laughs> 
Amazing. Cameron, thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan. And yeah. I'm so happy to be friends now. Yeah, we're friends now. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool.